0: Welcome to a special Best of Vet Care episode of Care Experts. We've put together the most popular and talked about episodes of the year. We'll be covering puppy vaccines and cat skin issues with Dr. Jeff Werber, dog food and diet with Dr. Andrew Moffitt, and kennel cough with Dr. Ayelio Okine. Let's dive in. So let's get right into it. What are dog vaccinations?
1: So vaccinations for dog or people, they're all the same. Basically, they are stimulators of the immune response, of the immune system. Uh, In dogs, for example, we have some that are we call attenuated or live vaccines. Those are made from the real disease that have been then passed on to different species. So they are no longer infective to the dog but will stimulate the same immune response to protect the dog to develop its own antibodies against that particular disease.
0: And now what are the core puppy vaccinations? I know we all have to take our cute little puppy in to get vaccinated. Um, Which ones do they absolutely need to have? So
1: that really depends on two factors. Number one, location, where you live, and lifestyle. So for your standard dog in Los Angeles, for example, the dogs that I treat, I'd say the core vaccines are your distemper parvo combination, that's the DA2PP. You have Bordetella and you have rabies. But now because of a new uh, disease that we're seeing a lot of, the influenza, a lot of locations that you might want to take your dog are requiring influenza. So in a sense, that might be becoming one of the core vaccines.
0: For those new um, pet parents who have just brought their new puppy home, what would a normal schedule for puppy vaccines look like?
1: The truth of the matter is when a puppy is born under normal circumstances, let's not look at the the, the the abnormals. Normally puppies nurse. When the first 24 to 36 hours of nursing, they get colostrum from the mom, mm-hmm. which has all the antibodies they're going to need for at least eight weeks, sometimes longer. It starts to wane a little bit, maybe seven to eight weeks. Okay. Now, what I see a lot of breeders doing, a lot of shelters doing, they're vaccinating puppies at five to six weeks of age. Mm. Okay that is potentially dangerous. Why? Because again, let's think back. What is a vaccine? We talked about it. A vaccine is the antigen. It's the enemy. It's in an attenuated form, so it no longer can cause the disease. But mom's antibody, called passive antibody, because she gave them the antibody, they don't know that. They see this vaccine, that you just gave it five weeks or six weeks, and they go, oh my God, it's a disease, and they go to attack it. And it's like the old Pac-Man game. You get one Pac-Man, one, and that's it. Out of circulation. So when you give a vaccine too early, it uses up all of mom's passive immunity. Yet their own bodies weren't, aren't mature enough, their immune system, to start developing its own antibody. So now you're leaving the dog unprotected.
0: Thank you, doctor.
1: Now let's join Dr. Andrew Moffitt for dog food and diet.
0: First, let's talk about dog food. There are so many different types of dog food, wet food, dry food, uh, fresh Raw, I mean, the list is endless. So what is best for our dogs?
2: Well, I think uh, um, every pet is different in terms of their nutritional requirement and and their preference in terms of the the, the type of food, wet, dry. Um, I think, again, I always direct people back to their local veterinarian to have that discussion following the wellness exam so the vet can give you a recommendation on the best nutritional plan for that for that pet. So um, uh, puppies and kittens are gonna need a certain type of food. An adolescent and, and an adult will need a, 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 a variation of that and then a senior pet will need a different type of food as well as their lifestyle changes.
0: So what are the differences actually between puppy, adult, mature, dog foods? What are those differences?
2: Yeah, so it's all about the, the balance of energy, protein, fats and carbohydrates for the different growth stages of that pet. So uh, any young growing puppy, they're going to need higher levels of protein. They're going to need an appropriate balance of calcium and phosphorus for bone formation and things like that. And older pets may need a lower calorie food to help manage Uh, weight gain associated with a slowing metabolism. I'm finding that myself a bit these days. Um, But also they're going to need support for um, like arthritis and and deteriorating skin quality, Um, not dissimilar to to humans. So we do want to be making sure we feed the, the right food for the lifestyle of the pets. Um, exactly the form of that, wet, dry. Uh, from a nutritional standpoint, it doesn't really make a difference. There are great wet foods, there are great dry foods. Uh, there are poorer poor quality wet and dry foods. It's all about finding the, the food that works best for your pet from a nutritional standpoint. You wanna make sure they like it and they eat it. Uh, their stools are maintained. Um, and you always wanna try and provide your pet with the best food that you can afford. Like all things in life, the, the typically the more expensive the food the higher quality although that's not always the case and so i think you know trying to find a reputable food through the recommendation of a veterinarian or your local veterinarian is a great place to start
0: so tell me if i'm uh, making a steak at home let's say and well there happened to be some left over um what is safe to feed our dogs at home if we want to give them some table scraps or a little human food treat? Are there any big no-no's, things that we should not give our dogs?
2: Um, good question. So, I mean, it is nice to feed your pet to treat. Um, and the love they give you through that treat. My my cat is very food motivator. She'll do anything for a piece of chicken, <laughs> a slice of cheese. Um, but um, uh, not uncommonly, after I give her some of like that, she's then got loose stools for a few days. So. Um, Our bacterial flora gets used to a particular diet. When we change that up, we are at risk of upsetting our bacterial flora. Certainly, um, uh, you know, giving dogs treats with high fat content can upset the gut, can cause things like pancreatitis. So we're always cautious with recommending treats, really to keep your pet in its optimum health, feeding them a consistent diet constantly is is the way to go.
0: Thank you. It's time to talk kennel cough in dogs with Dr. Ayali Okine.
3: So Dr. Okine, can you start by just telling us what is kennel cough? So kennel cough, we tend to associate more with Bordetella, but it's actually a uh, a collection of diseases, upper respiratory diseases that we can see in dogs. So it's not just Bordetella, there's a number of other viruses and bacteria that can make it up, but we traditionally think about it as an infectious upper respiratory condition.
0: That's very scary soundings. (laughs) Um, So an upper respiratory condition that includes Bordetella, but could be other diseases as well. Correct. How do
3: our dogs get kennel cough? So they get it from other pets. So we traditionally think about it as being something that they pick up in a kennel, but any boarding facility they can pick it up from, you know, doggy daycare, they can pick it up from, um, you know, dogs uh, passing each other on a walk. You know, any pet that is ill with one of these infectious agents can spread it to other pets quite easily. And we can even transmit it on our clothes, Um, If pets share water bowls, that can transmit it as well. So it really is quite contagious. So kennel cough
0: obviously can be very contagious and we see different symptoms with it. When should I bring my dog into the vet uh, when I'm concerned about kennel cough?
3: So if you're concerned at all, go to the vet. You know, I always tell people, I'm concerned if you're concerned. The big things to keep an eye out for are if your pet is bringing up any material when they cough if they're having labored breathing or seem like they can't catch their breath, if they have a fever, so some people will have thermometers to be able to check, either the ones for the ear, you you can even check a rectal temperature at home. If they feel hot, sometimes people are good at being able to pick that up. If they're not eating or drinking, if they're having a lot of discharge from their eyes or nose where you're having to wipe it away, um, you know, every couple of hours, those would be signs that I would say, is this a complicated infection? Do they have pneumonia? Is it something else going on? But bottom line is if you're concerned, I'm concerned, and go to the vet.
0: If you're concerned, get them into
3: the vet. Yes. I mean, it's the only way to really alleviate your stress and they'll tell you what's going on. Correct. And then you don't have to guess about it, you know, then, you know,
0: Great, well, thank you so much. These are very informative questions. It's always so scary when our dogs develop a cough. So it's really nice to know, take them into the vet and what our possible options are to to help our our family members out. Now back to Dr. Jeff Werber for questions about cat skin issues. So tell us, what are the most common skin issues in cats?
1: When it comes to cats, I think the most common is what we call miliary dermatitis. The problem with cats you know, is let's go backwards to a dog. Depending on where on the body a particular dog problem is, whether it's lower back, whether it's underneath, whether it's face and ears, you kind of have an idea what it is. Cats aren't so nice to us. In other words, if mm-hmm. lower back in a dog, you think fleas. Underneath the groin, you think atopy, which is atopic or inhaled allergens. Um, ears could be overlapping, chewing at the front feet, rubbing the face, you think food allergy. With cat, it's a free range. A- anything, any location on the body could be a problem. And they also have certain things called um, a a eosinophilic granuloma complex, which is an, it's it's an immune mediated condition where they will get areas of scabs around the neck and the face, rodent ulcer, um, linear granuloma. These are, are all problems that are responsive to steroids. So the good news is that the, even though you may not be able to know what the source of the allergen is, Cats do better than dogs when it comes to treatment.
0: How do I know the difference? Let's say I'm petting my cat and I feel like a lump or a bump. How do I know what it is? Is it a tumor? Is it just a bump? Is it a lump? How it do we know?
1: To, when you're petting and see a lump, I, I would recommend all lumps being checked by a veterinarian. It could be a wart. It could be a cyst, benign, both of those. Uh, it could be an early type of cancer. Um, if it's here in the neck, it could be a lymph node. Mm-hmm. So don't ignore any lumps or bumps.
0: The big question, should I bathe my cat?
1: So yes and no, as you like that for an answer. All right, to be, cats often need bathing. Uh, If they are having a skin problem, if they have secondary skin infection, if they have dry, flaky skin, baths could help. Now, uh, is it easy to bathe a cat? Uh, Not so easy. Now, some do great, some do great, but some just do not like water. And just because they groom themselves, not, that's not enough of a solution. So uh, you may need the help of a professional your veterinarian or a professional groomer that is comfortable with bathing cats. What I recommend, however, is when you get a young cat, you have a kitty, get them start using, by putting, do it in the kitchen sink. Just let water run very lightly on them and, and just lather gently, you know, soap them up. Just don't, don't freak them out. Um, what I recommend also, you've heard of the term scruffing a cat. Mm -hmm. All right, when you are bathing a cat, uh, as long as you always keep a hand on that scruff, they seem to be more receptive to being bathed. But if you take your hand off that cat, you're now chasing the cat down the hall because that cat's out of there. The wet cat down the hall. wet cat, sopping wet. (laughs)
0: Thanks for joining us for this special Best of Vet Care episode of Care Experts. All of our featured care experts recommend and accept the CareCredit credit credit card, which is accepted at hundreds of thousands of provider locations nationwide. Visit carecredit.com for more information.
4: Thanks for joining us on Care Experts with Care Credit. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with friends and family. And stay tuned for new episodes every week. Pets Best Insurance Services, LLC is underwritten by American Pet Insurance Company, a New York insurance company headquartered at 6100 4th Avenue South, Suite 200, Seattle, Washington 98108, or Independence American Insurance Company, a Delaware insurance company located at 11333 North Scottsdale Road, Suite 160, Scottsdale, Arizona 85254. Pets Best Insurance Services, LLC, California agency number 0F37530 is a licensed insurance agency located at 10840 Valentine Commons Parkway, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28277. Each insurer has sole financial responsibility for its own products. Please refer to your declarations page to determine the underwriter for your policy. Terms and conditions apply. See your policy for details.